Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain now. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of Three Swings, the podcast you're listening to right now. That was Jason Isbell on the 400 unit um, with the little intro song. I love that riff. Glad to be back doing this podcast. Feeling back into it, even though I'm a little late on this one this week, so I appreciate you and your patience. Boy, oh boy, being a human is hard sometimes, you know? Um Made a lot of changes in my life, some big <laughs> that many of you are aware of, um, some small, like little ones, like I'm not on the internet as much. That doesn't mean everything's perfect. And uh, yeah, dealing with that this week. And something I've learned recently is sometimes you got to take a big old time out. And I don't mean, you know, sit on the couch and watch Netflix, but like you really just got to stop moving in the places where you're like, oh, this is, what am I doing? So, you know, uh, I'm in that spot right now. I got a lot of stuff to look at, to digest, to, to, to really comprehend. You know, I hesitate to use the words think about because I think that's often my problem. Just thinking about something doesn't change it. So I'm a little in that spot right now. So a little like less jazzed on life and more confused by it. Um, so I guess it's a good time to talk baseball. I tweeted over the weekend, maybe that was, about some baseball movies. And someone was like, you should do three, three swings at the movies. Guess what, friend? I did do that. <laughs> and it was hard to do. Because, uh, man, I remember what it's like making a movie podcast after doing that. It seems easy. You know, you're like, I've watched all these movies. I can just talk about them. Then you got to watch it again. And that's like three hours. You got to take notes on it. Then you got to find somebody else that has watched it. And then you got to sit. So, but what I said was Bull Durham and A League of Their Own are the two perfect baseball movies because it was the Field of Dreams 30th anniversary over the weekend. And a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on that. There were a lot of articles going around. Uh, and this is like, honestly, me looking on the internet for maybe a half hour. And I'm like, a lot of articles. There was probably one. I didn't read it. Because like, who needs to be on the internet that much? I don't. I'm not. But I did think it was interesting that people really hate that movie a lot. Um, and I used to really dislike it a lot as a kid. Because as a kid, oh my god, it's so boring. But what I've realized as an adult is like, that movie is 
such a great representation of baseball in and of itself because it's weird, it's long, it's confusing, and sometimes when you watch it, it makes you cry. It is baseball. <coughs> However, that's just a game. Like, to me, Field of Dreams is like, that's a good game. There's some excitement, some lead changes, a uh, 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 cat got on the field, somebody hit the roof in Tropicana Field. That's that. But for Bull Durham and A League of Their Own, those two movies are perfect. They represent baseball and the feeling of it thoroughly, quickly, succinctly. It's a perfect game. And then all the other ones that everybody else thinks are good. Hey, man, that's great. That's great. You, I'm not the definitive source. I'm just saying these two movies to me are perfect. So those are the two that I think are perfect. I think Major League is great. I think The Sandlot is pretty good. I... I'm not a big fan of the girl thing and I'm not a big fan of the like kissing Wendy Peppercorn thing. Other than that, I really like that movie and I'm allowed to to be like, yeah, I don't like that. And you can be like, I don't care. And that's fine. <laughs> you can't not care about it. I don't like it. It's a bummer. It, it For me, it ruins an otherwise great movie. And I mean, for a lot of my childhood, I watched it and didn't care. So there, I do have the capacity to not care. And in a lot of ways, I don't care. I just don't really watch that movie anymore because it doesn't do it for me the same way it did before. Didn't know that this is what I was going to talk about today, but um, I just wanted to clear that up for anybody that listens but also saw me on the internet. I don't think those other movies are bad. I just don't think they're perfect. So those are my qualifications for that. In terms of fantasy baseball, I ended up winning that matchup. Look at that. So, hey, there's that in this season. That's something that didn't happen before. I I was triumphant over someone who was undefeated against me. I only won by a little bit, but I won. So there's that. And I didn't say anything to anybody about it. I didn't even say anything to her because it doesn't matter. <laughs> Usually I would send like some funny emails like, Katie, I finally did it. But, um, I you know, I didn't need to do that. And now my matchup. You know, I, I benched Chris Paddock because I was like, you're just sitting on him. He hasn't really done it yet, but he had a great outing against the Mariners yesterday. So, uh, bad choice to put Kenta Maeda on the lineup instead of uh, Chris Paddock. So, but hopefully now Chris Paddock is going to throw seven inning games and I can keep him in my lineup and I can at least get 15 points. But, um, yeah, my pitching has been, been the big sad thing. So I recently picked up Frankie Montas and, uh, uh, Caleb Smith and I'm just going for it. I mean, they're pretty highly ranked. They're in the top 20 right now. Um, and then my categories league, I, I won pretty solidly last week, this week, not doing as great. So I got to make some pickups and stuff. Um, you know, whatever, just chugging along, not caring too much. Um, it gets easier every week to not care, to have fun with it and not care, try to find somebody that I'm looking for. A lot of injuries this year and that 10 day IL is really messing with fantasy baseball. So, uh, and also just like shout out to bench coach Brett. He was sitting there drafting and he did a great job. He drafted a great team. Um, I did auto draft and it was awful. So, uh, you know, then you work with what you got and that's kind of the whole thing. Uh, so we'll be right back after this with a week in review. (laughs) 
right, we're back with uh, Men's Baseball Week in Review. Nolan Arenado earned his 1,000th career hit on Monday night against the Nationals when he homered in the seventh inning. He's the ninth player in Rockies history to reach 1,000 hits. He also turned a 5-3 double play to end the game. Look at that. What a fun little thing for uh, Mr. Nolan. And his brother or cousin got called up a couple weeks ago, so that's been kind of cool. Um, Rockies struggling. Not the team they were last year, so we'll see. Uh, not a lot of teams were, are the teams that they were last year. The Red Sox haven't really caught fire yet. Uh, Mookie Betts is hitting like two fourteen. Um, you know they're not uh, they're not the Brewers and they're not the Dodgers, <laughs> but the Cubs are hitting finally, and it's the bottom half of their lineup that's doing most of it. So that's pretty interesting. Um, gotta love a, a, a milestone hit. At, as a homer just gotta love the the writing of that it's just a fun fun little thing uh and aaron judge was placed on the 10 day d 10 day il with an oblique strain but could miss as many as two to three months i have noticed that oblique strains and labrum tears number one are coming into baseball a lot more and i don't know if this is because something new is happening with bodies or if we are just aware of injuries more so as fans than we used to be unsure but the oblique strain is a big deal and will probably be a big deal uh the yankees currently have 13 players on the il including six position players from their opening day starting lineup and starting pitcher Luis severino and i drafted that guy and i had to just drop him i drafted I think at least five or six players who are on the IL, some of which were on the 60-day IL, which means they're out for the season. So that was a pretty shitty thing for me to deal with on my fantasy. It's fine now, but whatever. Uh, Salvador Perez getting drafted for me was like a big problem because I think other players were still on the board when that happened. Just bad shit. Um, and according to fan graphs, the Yankees current IL sets the record for most war on the IL at one time. And it's not even close. The Yankees currently have 32.8 war on the IL. And that's based on the players war the previous season. The closest was the 27 nationals who or 2017 nationals who had 21.1 war on the IL at one time. I mean, the Yankees, the fact that, I mean, they've got Brett Gardner, they're being held together with Brett Gardner at this point. Um, I think that, and we'll get to this later, the, the AL East is highly susceptible to upset right now. The Red Sox are not clicking. Sale is not pitching. Uh, J.D. Martinez is the only one hitting the ball in the air. Raphael Devers hasn't really done shit. He was supposed to be the breakout. I'm about to drop him because he's just been sitting on my bench. I haven't, I haven't played him one week. I think I played the first week of baseball. We're in week four, which feels like a lot longer than four, but uh, you know, and Mookie Betts is hitting two fourteen, and he's got what two stolen bases or something like that. Um, they're just not, they have a huge world series hangover and they're not doing what they used to do. So in terms of the AL East, it is very susceptible to a team that I'm going to talk about right now. And that team is the Tampa Bay Rays, who have the highest winning percentage in baseball. They're 15 and 8, which is uh, 0.652, and the highest run differential, 0.45. What has been the secret of their success so far? I mean, the secret of their success so far that I have witnessed in watching the few amount of games that I've been able to catch is that. They are putting the ball in play and they are manufacturing runs and they have a starting rotation that pitches well. 
I mean, they have all the things that you need in baseball and they have multiple closers because they do like these weird inning matchups. They have multiple people available to close games and they plate runs and they do not rely solely on home runs, but they have a lot of power in Yandy Diaz and Austin Meadows and Austin Meadows is breaking out as to me, a viable AL MVP candidate. So that's how they're winning. They're just winning baseball games. I mean, I watched them almost lose a game to the Toronto Blue Jays, but they didn't. Whereas the Cleveland team lost a game to Atlanta. They were up seven to nothing and somehow blew that game. Whereas the Tampa Bay Rays were up similar and then almost blew that game, but didn't because they had a good closer, a closer that was able to do it. Um, So that's the difference. They have a closer. They have multiple, they have two closers, Alvardo and the other guy whose name is escaping me right now. Um, Reliable. Reliability of closers is the main issue in baseball right now. These guys that were trusted are not trusted right now. Plus pitching is just like everything has exploded and it's a down year And I think the Tampa Bay Rays win the AL East. Happy to be proven wrong, but that's been my... I think that they win it, the AL East. I think that they do it. And at the very least, they win the wild card and they're in the mix because this is a good baseball team. I watch them play baseball. They're good at baseball. This is not the Orioles and this is not the Marlins like kind of stringing some things together every now and then. This is a team who feel good about what they're doing. They have a good dugout. They're, they're putting out runs, they're getting on base and they're putting the ball in play and they're hitting it where people aren't. You can beat the shift multiple ways. It doesn't just have to be home runs. Speaking of home runs, Bryce Harper was ejected from Monday night's Phillies Mets game in the fourth inning after he followed coach Gabe Kepler out of the dugout to argue a strike call against Phillies second baseman, Cesar Hernandez. Harper had struck out earlier in the inning after the game, Pitcher Jake Arrieta criticized Philly pitcher Jake Arrieta criticized Harper and called out the team's overall lack of energy. Quote, look, I mean, he's got to understand we need him in right field. I don't care how bad the umpire is. He wasn't great for either side. I'm out here trying to make pitches and he misses some calls. So what? We need him out there. We were flat from start to finish. We have to be ready to play. We weren't and it showed. Uh, Bench coach Brett thinks trouble in Philly. Ah, potentially. I mean, there's definitely been some sputters nola isn't throwing like everybody thought he was going to um philly isn't breaking out like i thought they were going to i mean they looked good and now they're a little confused out there and i think there's probably a bit of jockeying for leadership on this but i think look i disagree with jake arietta on a lot of things but i agree with him on this you got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them and you got to know when to walk away and like look man you get thrown out of a game in the fourth inning it's early in the season and you're in playing a division rival or a division team, you got to stay in that game and you got to win that game and getting ejected because of strike calls. And then you're not even the one at bat. That's kind of stupid. So I've been sort of tooting the, the Bryce Harper horn for a little bit. And I haven't watched the video of this and I probably will after I have recorded this, which seems silly. And I agree, but I just think, yeah, you calling arguing strikes like this is just not, it's just not a way to go. It's just not a way to go. It's not a way to go out. And especially if the zone has been unpredictable on both sides and in the fourth inning, in the fourth inning, that's really early to get thrown out of a game personally. So I don't know if it's like forever trouble in Philly, but it's definitely like concerns in Philly 
Like, if they can't get this ironed out, then it's going to be an issue for them moving forward and trying to win the division. And here's a new little fun thing this week in men's baseball history. Tuesday marks the 20th anniversary of the night. Cardinals third baseman Fernando Tatis, father of current Padres shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr., hit two grand slams in the same inning at Dodger Stadium. And even more astonishingly, he did so off the same pitcher, Chan Ho Park. So that would be 1999. Jesus. 20 years ago still makes me think of uh, 1970-something, <laughs> which is like, yow. All right. Uh, it never happened before in Major League history, and it hasn't happened since. What would it be comparable to? Legendary Dodgers announcer Vin Scully told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch afterward, I don't know how you could compare it to anything. And I agree. I mean, what kind of a wild scenario? Like, think about that. How much, but also that's how much baseball has changed. It There's no way, the one thing that could not happen again is that it would be off the same pitcher. I think that is the only variable that will probably not happen again. Because loading the bases up a second time will get you pulled absolutely, even if it's the second inning. Uh, and, but the odds of hitting a, two grand slams in the same inning Holy shit. I mean, hey, those of you who are listening to this podcast, we're probably going to be on this planet for about the same time. What a cool ride we're going to be on. We might see this again, and we might not. That is what I love about baseball. And we'll be back with some rosin bag questions right after this. All right, we're back. We got some rosin bag questions. Um, rosin bag also is abbreviated RB, which are my initials, but also the initials of the official drink of three swings, which is root beer. And this week's root beer review is Boylan's root beer, which so far has been my favorite. I mean, look, we knew it was going to be good. Boylan's is just like a solid, like the ratio of sugar flavor to, uh, like the root of the root beer is just a solid mix. I feel like, you know, the label could maybe be a little bit cooler. The bottle has a great hand feel, but just like overall, a solid, good tasting root beer, happy to pay too much money for it. You know what I mean? It's one of those guys. Um, and a nice refresher since last week's Ramblin' Root Beer was such a big letdown. So this week, while you're watching your baseball, crack open a Boylan's root beer and let me know what you think. So moving on to the rosin bag. We got uh, at Money Bolus, the fun police goes after Tim Anderson again, but MLB seems to take the batter side, tweeting, let the kids play. What do you think about that? Well, I wonder when this was sent because um, fun police seems to be, I mean, the MLB uh, handed down a one game suspension for Tim Anderson for supposedly calling a pitcher the n-word um and i i forget the the pitcher's name already i had him in my thing but i dropped him um a complicated situation but also a very simple one tim anderson bat flipped after hitting a home run uh the pitcher didn't like it so he threw at him and then tim anderson rightfully didn't like being thrown at um because it's objectively more dangerous than bat flipping um and said Something to the effect of you messed up N-word, but used the A 
ending to that word as opposed to the hard er ending of that word tim anderson is also a black man so a black man using that word has a different connotation and context than a white person like josh Hader using it uh especially on twitter versus in a moment um and to me tim anderson using that word in that moment and i i'm a white person so i look i i don't want to get too into whatever I think the suspension is bullshit and I think that the MLB is getting involved in something they shouldn't be getting involved in and plunking is a bad thing. And as far as I'm concerned, he's not calling him anything that should be suspended. You know, he didn't use the F bomb and he didn't use the other F bomb, but also uh, like a week before this, Kyle Schwarber said on TV, I watched him say it to the third base umpire. F you F you for this, for a, 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 third you know check swing strike call to end the game now i know i'm hard on the cubs and i've been hard on kyle schwarber but like that i feel like the cubs get away with a lot specifically that guy has said so much crazy stuff and you can see it coming out of his mouth and i don't think he got any suspension for that and he was yelling at an umpire and you could see him saying it he's screaming it at the umpire and mlb's thing is tim anderson this that the other in the game, he needs to... It's like, I didn't even know what he said. They didn't say what he said, which is very cowardly of them, I think. But to me, to get back to the point that I deviated from, to me, him saying it that way, being who he is and saying it that way is like me being like, what's up, bro? It's not... He's not... It's not... That's not what it is. It's different. Words are different based off of whose mouth they come out of, what the moment is, the context of it. What year is it? All of this stuff. I mean, for all intents and purposes, throwing at somebody is intending harm towards someone else. And I know I've been on record on this show saying I like the fights. I like this. I'll be honest. I do. But I also am like, well, this is bad now. (laughs) So I I would rather people be safer than get to see fights, you know? Uh, So I'm willing to like let go of something that I was like, Benches clearing, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to see guys' heads thrown at. I don't want to see guys' arms thrown at. I don't want to see guys thrown at. It's dangerous and it's not good. And people have gotten very, very hurt. And, you know, you don't want to see somebody bat flip. Well, throw more strikes then. And the MLB is trying to play both sides of everything with all of this, like, playtime restriction and, like, pushing all these guys who are in the minor leagues knowing full well they're not going to get called up until they get stuck for an extra two years on their contract. And they do the same thing with this let the kids play. And then they hand down a suspension to Tim Anderson for using a word that coming out of a white person's mouth is deserving of a suspension, but coming out of a black person's mouth is not deserving of a suspension. And this is all five days after Jackie Robinson day. MLB flies all these flags for Jackie Robinson. and Oh, what he, what he did for the game. And Oh, baseball, this and baseball, Jackie Robinson, this and Jackie Robinson, that do you think Jackie Robinson would agree with this suspension? I highly, highly doubt it. I mean, I think he would have disagreed with Tim Anderson using that word from what I've read in his biography, but I think he would have stood on the side of Tim Anderson in this debate if you want to really get into it. But again, I shouldn't be putting words into somebody's mouth who's dead because I can't. But I have read his biography and I think he was a a complex human being who didn't look at things in, pardon the pun, black and white. 
and could see what was happening to him and for him as he was doing what he was doing. And he certainly didn't make the sacrifices in his own life and put up with the shit that he had to put up with to go play baseball and to be the first one so that Tim Anderson could get suspended for a game for defending himself. That is certainly not it. So that's what I think about that. Uh, Mela Calderon follows it up with a less <laughs> a less big question. What's your favorite stadium you've been to? Least favorite bucket list place to see a game, MLB or anywhere around the world. Um, one of my favorite stadiums I've been to was in Rockford, Illinois to watch the baseball for all finals. I got to watch uh, a bunch of kids play baseball, most of which identify as girls, which was pretty fantastic. And I got to watch them play <clears throat> on a college sized field. And it was really wonderful. Um, I also, you know, I got to give a shout out to Jacobs Field when I was a kid because that was like a really magical place back then in 1995 when the team was winning and people were happy and the stadium was new and it was cool looking and everybody was kind of looking at Cleveland. It was really a lot of fun. Um, but I, I do have to say that Dodger Stadium, it, it, acknowledging full well the gentrification that created it, um, it is a beautiful place. And watching the sunset over Chavez Ravine and the temperature that it is and the way that it smells and the sound in that stadium is just like a wonderful place to be. And I've also been to Wrigley, which was really great to get to experience that. And I got to go there before they put in all those video screens and stuff. So I'm glad that I had that experience. Um, I would definitely love to, I mean, I, I honestly haven't been to that many stadiums when you really think about it. It's honestly a handful. I've been to the Oakland Coliseum. I've been to the Cleveland, the Cleveland or Cleveland stadium and Jacobs field. Cleveland stadium doesn't exist anymore. Cleveland municipal stadium, uh, Jacobs field, progressive field, Wrigley, uh, cellular field, which is a cut rate field or something like that. Now, uh, the white Sox. uh, I've been to angel stadium. I've been to uh twins target field. And I think that's it. So I've only been to seven stadiums. I would love to get to more. And I mean, my, my bucket list plays to see a game. Well, my bucket list would be Japan. Um, because that would be really cool. And they really love baseball there. But I also would really love to see a game at Fenway because that's just like one of it's the oldest stadium. So I would love to get to a game there. But I mean, my bucket list would be to go to all of them. So, uh, yeah, anybody want to buy me some tickets? I'm down. <laughs> uh, then moving on to oh, uh, my least favorite out of those is sorry, Angels fans, uh, Anaheim Stadium. There's just something it's just not as like it just doesn't feel. I, I also say U.S. Cellular is very ton of concrete both of those places just feel like they have a lot of concrete there's nothing um soft about either of those places they they're both really hard and harsh um so that's that those would be my least favorite but that's just out of those also oakland stadium man they they need to do some work on it but they're building a new one so good for them uh then chem girl hudak says why has dallas keichel not been signed i mean i good question i don't know i mean i don't know why dallas keichel hasn't been signed and i don't know why uh, Craig Kimbrell hasn't been signed either. I mean, I think it's pretty bad and I think it's a bad sign for the labor market. And I think, um, you know, I just think it's gonna, it's heading towards collapse. So it's, it's not great that he hasn't been signed. I'm honestly surprised it's getting to be really late in the Jake Arrieta situation last year. He's having a better season this year 
But, you know, I think that missing out on all of that is uh, detrimental for a pitcher, for sure. And then my final question is from Big Skimbo. What What is my favorite obscure baseball statistic? Any love for BABIP? I don't even know what that one is. Batting average, batting innings, pitch. I don't know what that one is. Look, I'm going to be honest. I don't like all these stats. My favorite obscure baseball statistic was finding out that Joey Votto popped out to first in foul territory for the first time in his 12-year career or 10-year career, uh, like last week. It was like almost 7,000 at-bats, and he had never popped out foul to first. Those are my kinds of favorite obscure stats. So if you guys want to, let's next week, send me some of those obscure stats that you like, and I will promise to read the Jackie Mitchell ending to you next week because I didn't get a chance to ask Nate if that was okay and I want to do that first and I want to give you extra time to listen to the Jackie Mitchell episode of the Memory Palace because if you haven't yet you absolutely must have if you if you are a fan of this podcast that you're listening to right now which by the way there's all kinds of stuff up on Public that you can buy to support the show t-shirts mugs notebooks literally anything um and there's they're having sales all the time so please check that out on t public um but also please check out the jackie mitchell episode of the memory palace it's such a wonderful episode about baseball about women about women in baseball about gender about perception and expectation it's uh, just a beautiful piece of audio so uh please listen to that and then i'm going to ask nate if it's okay if i recite the ending of his podcast he might say no and i respect that about him you know i respect his wishes which is why i want to check with him before i do it so that is the week in baseball uh i watched some cleveland games and boy do they look confused out there but they scored some runs they put some runs on the board recently which was something they weren't doing before and my dude is back francisco lindor so i'm pretty happy about that because i really like him a lot he's got such a great attitude and um he's so cute so uh thanks for listening to the show uh we'll be back next week please rate review subscribe tell a friend about the show watch some baseball watch some local baseball if you can get out to a real physical game high school check out some softball get into some little league play some catch with somebody just like spend a week in baseball and see what it does for your for your attitude for your life if it makes you feel a little bit better put your phone away don't take pictures of it just do it you know just have some fun throw the ball around and uh i'll see you next week because if you liked it you liked it forever dog this has been a forever dog production executive produced by brett boehm joe cilio and alex ramsey engineered and mastered by alex sarche for more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.